Hello everybody, welcome to Maximum Libertarian. I am Brian. I'm joined today by Joseph Collins Jr. Um, you're pretty new. Uh, I mean, with name recognition and things to that nature. So I was looking at your website. I watched a lot of your YouTube videos. Uh, so really what I want to do is, since you're running for the nomination from the Libertarian Party, I would like you to just tell us about yourself and why you want to be president? I, 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 well, first, you know, I, I enjoy having fun. And uh, so uh, I like to smile and do all those great things like that. So I want to say thank you, Brian, for having me on my on your show, first and foremost. And um, I, I just when it comes to wanting to be president is something that I have dreamed about since I was 10 years old. And um, and, and I'm not happy with our country. Our country is in trouble right now. And, and it seems like everybody is not really listening or not really understanding the kind of trouble that we're in. Uh, we're at a huge divide. And um, I think that I believe and know that I'm the guy to bring our country back together, to work across the aisle, to pass legislation that can help everybody in our country. And to me, that's like super duper, duper duper important. I've been a broadcaster for, for years, just so people know a little bit of my background. So I've been a broadcaster for years, almost 30 years. Um, we've put together some pretty big deals, some successful, some not successful. But, um, you know, I, I've just been really, really excited. And I'm excited about the Libertarian Party um, by and large. I, I think that our party represents the party that America needs right now. And I think that there's never been such a time in history where the right candidate could actually win the presidency for the Libertarian Party. And that's exciting to me to be able to to be in that position and be able to do those things. So those things are exciting to me. Right. Um, now, have you always been a Libertarian? Uh, because I was looking around, I was trying to find it's now I don't know if Ballotopia, uh, Ballotpedia was were you the same candidate that ran as a Republican. And then I saw one on Reddit saying you were in the Green Party. It, it, I mean, everyone has, to me, I've met so many people that are in the Libertarian Party that came from the right, from the left, and from all over. Great. So, that's, a great that's a great question. I actually started many years ago as a, as a Democrat. I, I actually really was a Democrat. And uh, I, I served the Democratic Party here in California, and uh, I was a part of the era when Leah Belli and Marvin Belli ran the uh, California State Convention for the Democrats here, and I was a hardcore Democrat. I am the first um, African-American person of color to run for uh, the City Council of Watts in Los Angeles as a Democrat, even though it was a nonpartisan race, but as a Democrat, I was the first one to do that. Then later, the Democrat didn't really align with my thoughts, with my feelings, and I became a conservative. I became a Republican. Um, I think the race you're referring to is my son. My son ran as a Republican okay. uh, uh, against uh, Maxine Waters, and, and he did a hell of a job, and I'm so proud of my son um, in that race. But uh, I pretty much have always had extreme conservative values um, for, for the most part. What was the thing in the Democrats that made you question them? 
or was there like one issue? Because I'll give you an example for myself. When I was in the service, I get out in 2006 and then I'm looking, I was a Republican and then I really wasn't feeling it, but I was still, you know, I was under belief of third party still votes. And I'm just like, well, I'm standing in the group. But I'm looking at the foreign policy, and that was where I made the adjustment. And I was like, I just can't, I don't align with these groups. This and and then also they talk one way and they and they vote a different way. Right. They talk one way and they vote a different way. I think that the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me with the Democrats and um, was when Joe Biden um, authored the crime bill. And the crime bill gave great latitude to policing um, through through America. The crime bill has done a lot of damage in urban community and urban spaces um, as it relates to men of color. So that crime bill was like something that I I couldn't deal with. I I I it's 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 doggone hard enough when you um, are pulled over by the police and you go to court. And you could be considered guilty even though you're innocent, number one. The, the rough part of that is it used to be the judge could make the decision on the kind of sentencing and the punishment that you should have. And what Biden done and had done is Biden and Clinton, what they did was, was that they put the, they took the power out of the hands of the judges and they put the power in the hands of the law. And the law has never been fair primarily for urban, for urban, for people of color. It's never been actually fair. And, and, and that's why we have to get rid of some of these laws. We've got to scale back our government so that people can live their lives the way they want to live it and, and do what they want to do as long as it's in, inside of the confines of excuse me, as long as it's inside of the confines of, 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 of fairness to other people. And, and to me, that's the best way to do it. But when that law passed and they fought for that night and day, I could no longer support that. I, I just couldn't do it. It, 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 it made no sense. Although people were cheering and it's the street three strikes law comes in. Yeah. The street, th the three strikes law comes in and it's great when it doesn't affect your family, but it's bad when it affects your family. It's bad when your child is now locked up for 25 years for a, something that was so minor that Joe Biden put in place. Uh, that, that's bad. It's, it's bad when you go to court. I don't know how it is where you are, but here in California, if you go to court for a parking ticket or a driving ticket, the judge can say you're innocent. Right. They can find you, but you still got to pay three or four, three to five hundred dollars or three hundred to a thousand dollars, even though you've been found innocent because of mandatory minimums. And we've got to get rid of those things and we've got to put the law back in the hands of the judges. We've got I, to put right. I, I definitely agree with that, uh, like with mandatory sentencing and um, the three strikes that I, I do think sen sentencing is horrific in our country. Right. Specifically in urban. Now, if you lay that with with crooked law enforcement, you put crooked law enforcement on top of mandatory sentencing and then you put a prison driven system like like 
in a lot of our educational, which is why I'm going to fix education in America, but a lot of our education, specifically in urban areas, is driven towards preschool to prison. And we have to break that cycle. We want you to go from preschool to prison, and we have to break that cycle. Right. Um, other things inside, like during 2020, you know, there was a lot of criminal justice reform changes made throughout this country. Uh, some of the stuff was like no cash bail. Um, some individuals want to end qualified immunity. What is your, what your, what would be your suggestions and ideas for that? Because if you're seeing in some cities, you end no cash bail, now you're getting rampant crime and, you know, qualified immunity. I definitely agree with you. Some cops are very bad. You got some good cops. It could bust the system because now they're going to have to start insuring the, the locality will have to start insuring individuals. And we're already having an issue getting law enforcement. Um, who you're telling who you're telling who you're telling. I mean, I have some very good friends that are in law enforcement. If mm -hmm. you've been on my website, you've seen pictures with me and my, and, you know, and law enforcement agencies and, and stuff like that. And, and, and I stand for strong policing. I stand for strong, those kinds of things in our communities, because there are places where you just absolutely need it. There are times when a criminal is a criminal is a criminal and they should be dealt with just like criminals should be dealt with inside of the law without their civil rights being violated. And, 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 and I'm 100% for that. But with that being said, you have children who are, and I'm, I'm an old guy. I just look young and handsome, but are <laughs> <laughs> young men's in their twenties and thirties. Uh -huh. um, that are being harassed by law enforcement. And these things should never happen in America. And, and they're just like walking down the street. That's a violation of your civil rights. And what I plan to do is that I plan to get the best uh, attorneys and legal minds together, and we're going to reform the crime bill. We're going to amend the crime bill. We're going to gut that crime bill out so people's freedoms and civil liberties will stand right okay um and what about the no cash bell what what is your or do you, do you want to look at still look at case by case or how, how do you feel about that here's what i believe i believe the prison system in america is corrupt period and i believe that we've got to get in and stop that corruption I believe that it is wrong for us to build an economy around a prison system. Um, it was wrong in the 50s. It was wrong in the 70s. If you remember, I don't know if you know this, but in the 70s was where there was a great spike in the prison systems in America. And that was wrong then. And it's wrong now. And, and, I, and we've got to stop it. We've got to get in. We've got to get under the hood. And we've got to fix that engine. And that's what right. we're going to do. All right. Well, that sounds good. I mean, one of the big things like we talk about here in Virginia, I'm in Virginia. Um, oh, nice. And a lot of us talk about is like the family has been broken up. Woo. So you have gun violence, you have the crime, you have drugs and all that stuff. But because you have no fathers 
if you don't have a father in the house and it's, it's almost like you're breaking, it's almost like, I don't know who would be wanting to break it up. They're wanting to break this thing up. So it can be, it's easier to control us if that makes sense. And, and I agree with you 100%. Let me just say this and it may sound race. It may sound not racist. It may sound sexist in a way men have role in society. And uh, for me as a man, I do not like the emasculation of men. I think you should leave your life, live your life the way you want to live your life. But I don't like the commercialization of emasculating of men because we as men, we know we learn from emulation. Like your father never has to say much to you, right? right. But you're going to pretty much emulate what your father does. And if your father's a pretty decent guy, oh, dad really loves mom. Dad kisses mom 12 times a day. So what does that mean? I'm going to kiss mom, my wife, 12 times a day. You know, I, right. I'm, going to treat, I'm going to bring my daughters up. Daughters love their dads. You know, it's just the way it is. They, and, they're, and, and they want to have that protection and the covering from that point of view. And, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and that's important. Hey, sorry, give me some water. And that's important. Right. But because I really do think that's one of the big issues that we need to focus on. Um, let's go into um, I, I know the the welfare system mm -hmm. in America has been definitely responsible for a lot of the single family households. And it's right. time to clean that up. It's time to put dads, get dads out of jails, get dads out of prison and get dads back in the community. And sometimes the dad in your community was not necessarily your biological dad. Sometimes your dad was the guy at church and he did these certain things. Or sometimes the dad was this other thing and they did these certain things. And, and we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to some basics. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, or on your website, you listed like you had about five six different uh platforms are them your major platforms that you're going to be healthcare, criminal justice reform education strong military veterans and job creation is that like the big thing that you're selling to the voter so <clears throat> the biggest thing i would say yes i mean i i am so into education i think that america should be first in education around the world I think that that shouldn't even be a question. I think that um, that um, teachers should be compensated fairly. I don't think that's even in a question. We should pay teachers so much money until they want to teach our children to be the best possible geniuses that they can be. And we have a lot of geniuses out there, but a lot of places, the support mechanisms are not there. You wouldn't even think that this would be happening in 2024 2023, 2022, but we still don't have great books in a lot of urban areas. People still haven't studied uh, some of the great uh, writers of our time and, and of previous times. So those education is one of my biggest things that I'm so, so important, that are so important to me. Money for businesses is the second most important thing. During COVID, we lost a lot of businesses. A lot of businesses shut down. And um, they have not recovered from that. So a lot of businesses that supported the economics in smaller communities, of course, <clears throat> if you're in a big area, well, I don't know where you are in Virginia, but if you're in a big city in Virginia, 
there's a lot of economic support. But say you're in a small urban area in, in Virginia, there's not a lot of economic support. And so we want to make entrepreneurship and getting people back to work. And my thing is, if we could spend billions of dollars around the world, we can spend billions of dollars right here at home to help Americans, period. You know, Jesse Ventura used to always talk about that because he said we would spend so much money overseas. Why can't we give health care to everybody? To everybody. The problem is, and th so let's go back to education real quick. What is your thought of school choice? Because some of, the, if you look at, and I and I do get it. Some schools get really good. Some some schools like, because I'm in Roanoke, Virginia, so I'm on the uh, southwestern state side of the state, um, where we about have about a hundred plus thousand people here. Uh, you know, so we're okay, but. Northern Virginia gets, they get a lot, you know, they get this big taxes. You start coming down here, you're in coal mining, you know, where it used to be coal mining and things of that nature. School choice. So would you want to do something like that to start making schools compete? So what you have is, I mean, when I was growing up, I was part of, I was considered a genius kid. I, this is just the way it was. I no, no, no disrespect to anybody. So once the school that I was in recognized that, they had all of these other types of educational choices mm -hmm. that made sense for me. But a lot of education has to do with economic and environmental impact. So although in a lot of cases you want to send your child to the best possible school that they can go to, a lot of these due to in, uh, economic and environmental impact, they can't keep up in certain cases with the curriculum at some of these more advanced schools. I mean, if you're in a typical public school, you're not studying Nietzsche. For instance, you're not trying to learn the philosophy of some of these great thinkers of, of our time. And so you go to an environment where they're now dealing with Nietzsche, and I'm just throwing that off the top of my head, or they're studying Nietzsche, then you might be in such a competitive environment. I think in America's education, we need more competitive environments, period. And, but we've got to start it in, in kindergarten. We've got to start in kindergarten making our children geniuses coming all the way up. And school choice is definitely an option that should be on the table and should look at depending on the grade level that your child actually is. What you have in most urban areas, though, is a mother or, or parents may want to send their child to a better school and let's say their child is in the 10th grade, but their only function, they only, their education is only at seventh grade level. So now if you take somebody whose education is at a seventh grade level and you put them at peop, in, a, in a place where they're already functioning at a 10th grade level, there could be a lot of, a lot of discontent in that. So right. I'm open to the idea of, the best possible things for school. But I don't, I think when you're dealing with socioeconomical issues, it becomes a really big challenge. 
it's, it's just a really big challenge. I, I know because of myself. I'm, I'm just using myself as an example. Right. And, there, there, there was a study, and I wish I could remember where I had heard it, but they had did, they checked like kids when they go into kindergarten and then like, right. and they're like, okay, there people would like, there was a big number of, they would count as geniuses. And as they got old, went into higher grades, it kind of dwindled off because we get trained. Humans are just trained to do this, you know, color by number thing. And instead of thinking outside the box, they're now being forced inside the box. So in turn, this genius dwindles down. You know, that's where I always want to make sure that I do believe, and I've told people all the time, I'm once again, I'm a libertarian. I will throw every idea on my that we have on the table, but so we and then I want everyone else to throw their ideas. And if it don't work, we we gotta mix it up, and that's what we go with. You know, as people say. Capitalism is the greatest form, but this, is there something out there maybe better that we can think of? You know, so I will always be open-minded to anything. I, I agree with you on that. I don't think that we should be closed-minded. Um, I don't, and, and, and I, I've never seen a time. I, I, I never seen a time where our government is so polarized until if you're a Democrat, you don't want to work with Republicans. And if you're a Republican, you don't want to work with Democrats or you don't want to work with independents or you don't want to work with libertarians. It's terrible that our government has come to this right now. It's so important for us to reach across the aisle and the guy with the best idea should be the, the idea that we carry forward. I helped get legislation passed two years ago in Indiana. We were preparing to... Um, build a facility there in Indiana. And um, and I worked very diligently to get this particular piece of legislation passed there for film tax credits. And I didn't always have the best idea of being part of this process, but to be part of that process, to help get legislation passed that brings jobs and economy to some of these areas, to me is the most important thing. Right. What type of uh, entertainment do you do? You did. Uh, I, we'll get off the subject of real quick. I just want to know what type of entertainment do you do? I take guys like Brian and turn them into strippers. No, just kidding. I'm just having fun. Y'all don't quote me on that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's very good. But uh, <laughs> no, really, um, I'm in broadcasting. I own TV stations. Okay. So I own a TV station in Pensacola, Florida. I have a station in Mobile, Alabama. I have a station in um, I have a we I have a station in Wichita, Kansas, and and that's pretty much where I've been. I've been in broadcasting, and uh, we have URBT News. So we do uh, news. You can go to our website urbtnews.com or download the app. So those are things that I've been, I've been involved in every aspect of media. That's good. Uh, I was just curious because when you were talking about the tax credits for film and things, I didn't know if you were, if you did things like that, television yeah, shows. Yeah, definitely. TV, okay. shows, movies. I've done it all. When it right. Comes. Now, uh, health care, let's, you, okay, we'll start with Medicaid and Social Security. Okay. Because, you know, that's, Pretty much, it seems insolvent. If with everything that they're saying, 
2035, it's supposed to be belly up. Um, it seems like it's a Ponzi scheme. So I know like my mom's on social security. I know several old folks that are on how, what are we going to do about this situation? Because I don't know if we can keep propping it up. It seems like it might falter. So, excuse me, social security is a very hard thing. We have to protect social security. Um, a lot of people have worked hard and they put into this social security system and, and, and they deserve their monies. We, we have to protect social security. There's, we would be a horrible country to send multi-billions of dollars over to other countries and not protect Americans. I, I think that we have to protect social security and we have to protect those that um, are in need of social security. Those things are just, are just so important. With that being said, we also have to look at how can we make Social Security better? How can we make it service American people better? How can we make it work better for the American uh, for the American people? And, and those are the kinds of things that we have to take a look at. But we have to protect Social Security for as long as we can, for as right. long as we can, for as long as we can. I think what we have to do is figure out how to get our deficit down. Mm -hmm. Because Social Security is a very small percentage of the overall deficit that America has created, which is in the $33 trillion worth of, worth of debt America is in right now. And, and to me, we got to get that down. we got to figure out something to bring the debt ratio down. We've got to get a balanced budget somehow. Somehow we got to be able to do it. Right. Well, I mean, it's $34 trillion. And, you know, it, oh, it, so it went up since we... It oh yeah, you know everyone wants because I was just looking back and you know when I first went to my job back in 2006 it was um, that you know I remember there was one guy he's a hardcore Democrat and that was all he focused on and that was during the Bush administration but then when Obama came in you know he kept the he pushed the gas pedal down even harder and it went up more. And then when Trump came, there's no difference here. You know, that's what's driving me insane is when I, when I see a lot of the spending and the, the COVID, you talked about the COVID spending, how that destroyed businesses. Had you been in charge, what would have been, is there anything that you said? Because now we can armchair quarterback it. I get it. But what would have been, what's something that you would have done different, you think? That you that we might could have done. What I think people would have been very upset with me because the what they did with COVID is they put lipstick on a pig. That's what they did with COVID, and they tried to give COVID this beautiful name. Oh, we're gonna call it COVID nineteen, and you know, and 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 I was never really happy with that. And then they they sold this whole vaccination thing on America, and I'm not so sure that that was the right thing to do without having the correct clinical things that I would have wanted to take a very hard look at that. I, I don't, I, I didn't like the idea of, of, of forcing people that if you don't have the shot, you can't go shopping. If you don't have the shot, if you don't have the card, you can't get food. If you don't have, I, I never, I never liked that idea. I don't like anything that shuts down churches, period. I, I don't, I didn't like the fact that in COVID I could go to a liquor store but I couldn't go to church. It was to me. It was just something wrong with that. 
Right. And I, I would have done that a lot differently. Now, I would not have attacked churches, number one. I, I would have done it a lot differently than, than what I think that um, the administration at the time was under so much pressure to come up with an idea to do something. And then everybody just said, let's just shut it down until we can do that. I'm trying to figure out where the virus went because <laughs> all of a sudden we had the virus. I mean, just if you just work with me here, all of a sudden we had the virus. Right. And then two years later, virus is over. Let's go. I'm and trying to figure back. out where did, the vi- where did the virus go? You know what I mean? It's, right. Remember how the flu went away? The, the virus was away. up. No now the, now we've got the flu and we have no virus. So Exactly. So I'm trying to understand these things and, and, you know, at this point, I don't get the intelligence reports, so I can't really say without having the complete intelligence reports on the exact path I would have taken. But I can tell you, I, I was not happy with the path that they took. I, I was not happy with non-medical people telling me to wear a mask. And so if I did this, I could go into the store. But if I did this, I couldn't go into the store. It made no sense to me whatsoever. Right. You know, one thing that bothered me was the shutdown of actually like if you if if you get told to take vitamins to work out to be healthy, that's you, you were you were shut down and silenced. I mean, we can use Joe Rogan as an example or numerous uh, the tennis player. I cannot remember his name, but, he, you know, he was not allowed to come here and uh, play in the tennis game, but he, here's one of the healthiest guys out there. And he's being told, don't talk about doing stuff. It had to go through the pharmaceutical industry. And that's I, what I, I think. Bob I had said. a major problem with that. I had a major problem with that. It's not that I don't trust big pharma, but I had a major problem with that. I, I mean, listen, we don't know everything. Right. But what I do know is my grandmother used to make this tea and you took that tea and a day or two later you was up on your feet and keep working, you know? So I, I do know that. So to say that big pharma has all the answers was 100% wrong, especially when you're dealing with something and you don't know anything about it. The thing that struck me a lot is that we don't make vitamin C in America. You mean we got to go to China to get vitamin C? Where is the American vitamin C making company? That's what we need. You know, that was shocking to me. That was completely shocking. And that to me goes back to our manufacturing industry, which is why we have to take a look at the infrastructures in terms of manufacturing here in America. We've got to get Americans back to work, period. It seems like a lot of our, what was shocking to me was not just vitamin C. It was all of our medicine is made. Right, right, right. I thought we were the greatest country in the world. What? (laughs) And if they were to go, okay, we're shutting them down. They don't have to go to war with us. They don't send us our medicine. No. And now we're, we're, we're SOL, you know? And in turn, we, that's what we got to, and I get it. You got to bring it back or get our stuff back in America. We, we, We've, you know, we've got to make America the priority, period. We've got to look at some of our cities, our cities, and and we've got to say we've got to get this thing fixed. I, I don't know if you know what's happening down in Chicago, 
and what's happening with the murder rate with young people in Chicago and the murder rate in St. Louis with these with our young people or whatever. We've got to get this stuff back in line with what works. And and right now it's not working. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, what like with, with Chicago, with New York, let's jump into uh, immigration. I mean, you finna talk my language now. That that uh, once again, we're using people as pawns. Now, I some people are being are coming here for better. Some people are being baited like, hey, you come here. We're going to as you saw in New York City, I believe they they sent kids home so they could house the migrants. And I don't cheer uh, Governor Abbott sending them to Chicago. If you're going to put them on a bus or put them on an airplane, you send them back home. Um, and I don't want, to, but also I understand when we'll get into our foreign policy, sometimes our foreign policy causes issues down in South Central America, over in Africa, Asia, and all that good stuff, you know. So what do you think about the immigration thing here? When I become the president of the United States, day one, we're going to close the borders, period. Then we've got to take a hard look at immigration. Immigration is not fair to the American people as it stands right now. Joe Biden has fumbled. Joe Biden and, and that administration has fumbled the immigration ball completely. It is a disaster. It, they, they've opened it up. Thank God we've been able to catch, I think, 150 terrorists or something like that that have come to the country um, from through that border. And most people think immigration is just Mexican people coming from Mexico. That's not what's happening. People are coming from all over the world to come up through the southwestern borders to come into our country. They're not they're not just um, people of Latin descent that are coming. So you got people from all over the world and, and we've got to get the borders closed and we've got to take a hard look at immigration, a very hard look. We have people who have been productive here in, in our country for over 20 years before this debacle that Joe Biden has created. And they still can't get immigration papers correctly. That to me is is a shame. It's it's completely, completely, completely a shame. I I, I got a, a, an endorsement from the uh, Asian community um, here, which you know they're they're trying to rally their 24 million Asians across America to to support my presidency campaign, and they're concerned about immigration because it has had a devastating impact on the Asian community in terms of them getting through the immigration process correctly now. And so this is a debacle. And to put this kind of pressure on American cities and, and, and local governments, it's unfair. It's 100% unfair. It, it, and, and, and we have got to stop this stuff. We've got to stop this nonsense. You, you can't break into any other country in the world, but you can just walk into America. I'm, I'm trying. I'm still trying to comprehend that, and we've got to stop that. It, it's really. It, I don't want to be conspiratorial, but it seems like there's something's not right. Something there, there is definitely a fly in the buttermilk. <laughs> Absolutely, because you know, even up in Canada, you're having. They were saying that they're now crossing into Canada and can't, then they're coming over 
from the northern border. So people are focusing on the southern border, but they're not focusing on the northern border. So it's almost like you're you've, you're under attack. And it's sometimes the bad thing is you're having the um, where we have like social safety nets. I'm not completely anti like help. If you fall down, I'll help you out. But I don't want to get you into a spider web. And I think that's where we fall into it. Like, why are you going to go work if you're making more money not work? And then they, then that individual might have a child and then that, that individual has a child. And now it's just this family, you know, now you're this big spider web and you're, you're entangled. It's hard to get out of. Man, you said, you said it for me. I ain't even got to say that one. Yeah. That is a a immigration. We've got to get our, let me tell you, We've got to get under the hood of immigration and we've got to get that sucker fixed. It we've got to break out the big tools, we've got to get the big hammers, we've got to big get the big guns, and we've got to fix immigration. We've got to do it, no doubt. Right. What is uh I know you talked about the veterans and strong military. What is would be your plans on that? Because, like I said, now, I this is where I, this is where um, I, you know, by and large, we don't want to be messing with people around the world. As mm-hmm. a libertarian, I don't want to mess with people around the world. Period. I don't want us to be involved in no nonsense wars. I don't want us to be involved in anything. I don't want America. To, but at the same time, I want America that if somebody comes knocking at our door, we're ready to go. And, and, and I think that we have to have that balance. I don't want us to be a bully. I don't want us spending money around the world that we don't have to spend. I don't want us doing any of those kinds of things. But if you come knocking at this door, we want to be more than ready to do what we have to do to protect the American people. And to right. me, that's, that's like so important, period. We've got to have the latest technologies. We've got to have the best weaponry that we can get around the world. We've got to have the best everything that we can get. And, and to me, that's the most important thing. Right. Uh, you know, because I liked when, for example, I liked when Obama spoke with Iran, but then he gave them the bank. Uh, it was not a very good deal, but I would rather talk to him. And then, like, Trump walked across the DMZ and shook uh, uh, Kim Jong-un's oh, hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I thought that was awesome. Because once again, I, I get it. He starves his people, but I would rather work with them. And then I don't want to go to war. I don't want to see uh, Korea and no. South Korea go to war because we get no. sucked into it. Just no. like what's going on with Ukraine and Israel, we get sucked into it. Don't, you know, so it's like it bothers me. I, I, I don't want us to be at war at all. I, I, I did. A, I, I went to the Lincoln Memorial. And um, when I was at the Lincoln Memorial, you, if you go to these places, you have no, no idea how many veterans have given their lives for America. Uh, it's, it's, a, you know, it, it's just a huge, huge thing to see veterans that have given their lives courageously um, for American democracy. But I believe in diplomacy. That's why I don't think Nikki Haley would make a great candidate. I, I think she should just quit because people around the world are not going to want to do business with a Nikki Haley, period. They're just not going to want to do it. I mean, who wants to do business with somebody named Nikki? 
Nobody. So, you know, she's she's already proven to be a quitter, you know, and I and I and, and I and God God, I hope she wins the presidential nomination because I'm I'm gonna mop the floor with her. Um if she if she were to somehow win that nomination. And um so I, I just I think we have to take we've gotta reach across the aisle, we've gotta use diplomacy in every way. But then if diplomacy doesn't work, you know, we might have to tear some stuff up some places, you know, and well, that's what I think. Yeah, well, because if you look at Taiwan, for instance, um, I'm not really big on arming governments, but I like I like citizens owning the guns. If it's if it's good enough for the police, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for the government, it's good enough for me. And I, and I almost feel like in Taiwan, because a lot of people aren't going to come invade in some aspects because we've got so many guns here where I don't know what Taiwan's issue or ideas are, but if they had, China's not going to jump in there if they're going to start getting shot. If you look in Vietnam, if you look at Afghanistan, these are people that are all oh, that we should be. Now, yeah, we could drop the big bombs on them. But if we do that, we're destroying all the land and everything to that nature. But they had the, just these little guns, and they were able to defeat probably one of the great, well, the greatest power out there right now. You know, I'm of this thing. I don't want nobody messing with my gun. It's my gun. <laughs> I'm in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't mess with my gun. You know, don't. <laughs> You, you Absolutely, know, and then like I, I see, I'm entitled to that, right? As an American yeah. citizen, I'm entitled to have my gun. I don't want anybody messing with my gun. Period. My gun, whatever kind of gun, is my gun, and that's it. That's all it is to it. You now, know? what what would you do with like an Israel or Ukraine? Because I saw on your video the Jewish community. You 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 talked about that how they were really uh, receptive. They embrace, to you. Yeah, they embrace. Um, Listen, I, I think what's happening. In that country is horrible. I think what Hamas has done to to the Jewish people is horrible. And but I don't really want America involved in that. You know, I mean, yeah. as a president, I would want to try to, you know, you guys kind of deal with that, and uh, we're going to keep a, a, a hard eye on it and and see and see what happens. You know, we we shouldn't be involved in everybody's war. We cannot police the world. We should not be using American citizens, American children who are in the military services to police the world. And, and to me, I, I think it's horrible. I think at some point I'll be happy when this is over. You know, I, I think that um, I think that at some point it becomes a human tragedy. At some point it becomes an absolute human tragedy on both sides. I think it's a human tragedy on the Jewish side. And I think it's a human tragedy on the Palestinian side. I think it's a human tragedy. And, and I think that I'm hoping that at some point some diplomacy could be taken. And if I were in, if I were president, of course, I don't get the, I don't have the intelligence reports yet, but as soon as I start getting the intelligence reports, I can make a decision based on actual documentation. Right. You know, one thing that's come out, uh, I know there were several, I think New York Times, uh, but like several years ago, here was Benjamin Netanyahu 
supporting Hamas because his idea was he wanted to keep them propped up. And I guess he thought he could control them easier. And then what happened is they turned around and, you know, did what they did. You know, it's a very bad situation. But what, that's problem where I always have, I bounce into, I, I go, when I was overseas, I could talk to guys from Turkey, France, uh, Spain. We're going to get along. But then the government start pitting me against, because they use us as pawns. It's easy, once again, it's easier to control the you and me and so forth uh, by, by just spinning us up, you know? You, you got to be careful in media. You know, media lies a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of fake media out there. And people tell you different things until you get a chance to sit down and, and talk to a person. And then once you sit down and you have a conversation, you can say, you know what? On a case-by-case person, I like this person. You know, mm-hmm. or I don't like this other person. For, on a case-by-case basis. There are some people that I absolutely love and endure, enjoy their company and everything. There are other people that I just don't. You know, I don't, period. I don't like you for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is, but there are some people that I, I just, you know, I don't care too much to be in their company or whatever. And and that's that's how we're, you know, that's how you have to do it. But you got to keep an open mind and be willing to talk to people and be willing to discuss and be willing to disagree on one thing, but agree on other things. That's kind of the way you have to do it, I believe. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, as long as we have dialogue, I, I'm all for it. You know, yeah, if too. I don't like you or if I like you, whatever, <laughs> just keep the dialogue going. Me, me, um, too. me too. Now, let's go jump over to uh, let's do uh, climate change real quick. Okay. Um, what What's your thoughts about it? Are we doing it? Seems like You've got two different ideas. Uh, we were we have oil, we have coal, we have natural gas. We never explored nuclear power for some reason. I mean, that's been uh, flagged as something really bad, but it's the cleanest thing out there, and it makes this abundance of power. Is there something in climate change that you would like to see? Because I know a lot of younger folks, voters, would be looking at that. First of all, I think we have to explore energy for wherever the energy is. I think we have to explore it, right? We have to take a look at what's going to be best for the American people and explore energy. While at the same time, we should be concerned about plastics. We should be concerned about plastics going into our oceans. We should be concerned about plastics going into our drainage systems. And we should be concerned about that because it's proven that that nature itself now and is beginning to take on plastics and you consume fish and these other kinds of animals. And those things are full of carcinogens and full of things that could really harm the human body. So we have to take a look at it. We have to take a look at air and we, I mean, it's it's so simple, right? But we have to take a look at these things because it's important. Maybe it's not important in the next five years. But maybe it's important in the next 20 years. Well, in the next 20 years, my grandchildren are going to be adults. And we need to take a look at ideas that can help them. I personally have no problem with nuclear. I think nuclear 
could be an answer in a lot of places. It's clean energy. It works. It makes sense. But at the same time, I think that we have to explore solar, more solar, and more alternative type powers so that we can get ourselves away from Many of our wars are because of energy. A lot of the wars that America is involved in is because of energy. And we've got to become energy independent. We've, we've got to cut our dependency on foreign energy, and we've got to start depending on energy in America and, and really making America self-sufficient, which also creates a lot of jobs if we're really focused on how can we make America self-sufficient. And, and that to me would, would bring down gas prices. That to me would bring down the cost of energy. That could bring down a lot of different things that we're currently struggling with in America. Right. I don't know where you are right now. Well, in Virginia, I don't know what the cost of gas here, but up until a couple of weeks ago, diesel fuel was six bucks a gallon. So okay. that's just tremendous. You know, I mean, that's tremendous energy going you know, for diesel trucks. So they've got to pass that cost on. Who gets that cost? The consumer right. gets that cost in higher prices. Up until a couple of weeks ago, eggs here were seven bucks a, a dozen. Seven dollars for 12 eggs. I'm like, good Lord, good Lord. That's, that's incredible. That affects your income. That affects the family household. And all of those things are energy driven. We must become energy independent. Right. I, I definitely agree. Uh, see, I always worry about things like where we have to uh, lithium because we're having. So in turn, see, as long as we don't have to see it, it's not That's really right. bad. So That's overseas, right. these folks are having to destroy their environment to get our lithium. Right. And, that, and, you know, and I definitely think I want more exploration so we can hold the power better and things of that nature. Uh, but I don't I think we've done a good job. And that's why I want to make investments in manufacturing and investments in R&D. I think that we could come up with something that may not exist today that could help us be successful over time. I don't even know what it is, but I know it's there. You know, I, I don't, I can't tell you, what the next battery type thing is, but I know it's got to exist because I thought about it. So because I thought about it, I know it has to happen. And so I think that we have to explore these types of things and we've got to make those investments in energy, period. We've got to take a hard look at energy and we've got to treat energy as if tomorrow we're going to run out of the last drop of oil. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think we should be trying to do stuff like that um so i guess we've ran up to about 50 some minutes oh That's i'm good we can do another hour it's all good with me i'm ready for it i said i was gonna be on the brian show here i is Let's oh go. all right <laughs> we'll start talking about more things all right uh, let's see let's get into i wanted to ask you about this one and one of the big issues it's not big yet, but reparations. That's what happens is I see a, once again, we, we talked earlier, politicians will come out and say free healthcare, free school, but they don't have a way to pay for it. 
And it's also, if we do pay for it, it balloons the deficit and the debt. How do we prop Maj Tory? Do you know him? He's a libertarian up here in Philadelphia. Um, he does uh, Black Guns Matter, Solidarity, Solidarity, oh, and he does that. like train training for the proper uh, use of firearms. Right. And he talked about reparations, but in his idea is like reparation would be like if I destroy your land, if I harm you, I pay you, and then after I've paid you, it's over. How do we? I'm afraid we're going to spin up a generation or more to, and then you're, you're going to get nothing because if I give, Oh, great. You got reparations, but our dollar is worth nothing. You know, How, what, what, have you ever thought about that or, Woo. you know, reparations is a, um, an interesting subject. Cause I'm a black guy. Right. So, right. Yeah. Obviously I'm, I, I'm a black guy. So, Obviously, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just noticed. <laughs> so you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. I, uh, I didn't very good. <laughs> so, um. I think reparations could take a lot of different forms, mm -hmm. right? I think <clears throat> what people try to say is our ancestors in America did this to help build America. And as a result of us as ancestries to help build America, we don't feel like that we've been treated fairly over time, right? Because mm -hmm. there are these racist things that are institutionalized and it's hard as nails to break through a lot of the institutionalized racism. And it's a shame that on Wall Street in 250 years, there's only been one black company that's ever been on the New York Stock Exchange, period. You know, it, it's a shame that in America today, there's only 10, about 10, maybe 12, African-American companies that are on the total stock exchange, if you combine everything together, there's only 10 of us, right? We're one. Right. So it's a shame that those things can happen. And a lot of that is because in urban areas, we don't have the education. We don't have the education to crack the very difficult nut of Wall Street which is why I want to reform the Securities Exchange Commission. I want to reform the Securities Exchange Commission because we need to make Wall Street easier for people to be able to go on there without having all of these frivolous laws that make no sense whatsoever because of something that happened in 1933-1934 Securities Act. It makes no sense whatsoever. And in that time, most African-Americans and people of color were not even considering to try to even get on Wall Street. It was just an impossible thing because of the barriers. So when you talk about reparations and you think about places that happen like Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or you think about Rosewood in Florida, and you start thinking about these places where people were literally ripped out of their homes, they were burned down, 
those things actually happened and because of racism and then those things were never paid back those things were never paid back to the communities that lost them and then you can say well you know what maybe there's justification for maybe there is justification for reparations my take is why not let's put the absolute best educational facility in the absolute worst area and make it available for the community in that area and let's duplicate that across the country so that there's an educational basis and now the education will show where the doors are open or how to put the key in the door how to put the key in the lock and then if we can unlock some of those doors those things could be better for us that's kind of how i look at it but not just for us but for all of us for asian americans for latino americans for african americans for caucasian americans for all of us it could be easier right america is supposed to be the place where you could live the american dream but right now where you have people hoarding the dream like you can live the dream but you can't you can live the dream but you can't you know these kinds of things are just to me overdone in our country just well overdone just well overdone Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, when they took, you were talking about taking land. I mean, just here recently with over in Hawaii, once again, that was something where there was that massive fire and then there was all this talk and you're trying to, you're trying to suck the suck. Like, cause you get some, we have so much information coming at us. Is this, or, or, did they have to have their house burned down because they wanted that property? You know, the, uh, the, people want that because they can sell it for better and you, you know and that but it's all went it went radio silent just like covid went radio silent it just like it happens boom gone you know i don't know what happened in hawaii you know uh, you know I, I don't know what happened i don't know the causes of what happened in hawaii i i can't even begin to tell you but i can say that um I love Hawaii. I've, I've been there a few times. I've enjoyed myself in, in, in Hawaii and, you know, and, and, and I love the Hawaiian people, which are Americans. And we, we have to protect America, period. We have, sometimes we have to protect America against America because sometimes Americans, you know, a lot of them have European thoughts, <laughs> you know, and, and that these thoughts are really way out there and we have to just, sometimes look at things i can't say what happened in, a, in there you know I, I did see i did see lights coming down from the sky i don't know if that's what you're making reference to and well, I, I, all i know is that there's a big fire all the people they're out there in the uh, ocean like that but i, I can't say yeah. you know i can't really say i i'm not but see that's where we get into I'm a point not. that's where we get into a point where the government could this could easily be all right just no, it's not. We're not. No one's burning anyone's houses down to, to take it from them. You could easily squelch it, but they, it's almost like they want it to be people to be talking like conspiracy, cons, you know, doing a conspiracy theory. Here's what I know. You know, that's that's and that's a lot of things like, you know, just here's just, what I know. Yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma actually happened. Right. I know that. Tulsa, Oklahoma happened. 
it was unprovoked. It was a prevarication. And a lot of people lost their lives as a result of a prevarication. These things actually happen in certain parts of our nation. And we have to be vigilant. And we have to think that America is the greatest country in the world. And, and we have to support our country. And this is what I believe. I believe America is the greatest country in the world. And I think that we have to support our country. And I think we have to support making America better. America is the greatest place on earth, in my opinion. And, um, but we can make it better. There's so many things to fix here in America. We can make it better. We can make it better. Fixing education makes it better. Fixing jobs um, specifically makes it better. Um, fixing the criminal justice system here in America makes it better. And fixing some of these things makes America better. And I think that if we can get into the office as libertarians, we can make it better. Right. And I'm the best guy to do that. I, I mean, period. I, there's nobody better. So that's what I think. I think. Now, would you, if you, if it come, you come to DC and you're, and you don't get the nomination, are you up for being vice president or do you, is there something else you want to do with inside the libertarian party? Because we got to break the two party system. Because automatically, even if you get 1% of the vote na nationally in November, or if you get 20%, you will be, if look at how Jill Stein was treated, Gary Johnson. I think those Kennedy people now. did not have the, they didn't, have, first of all, let's, let's talk politics here for a second. Jill Stein can't win the black community, period. You cannot be president of the United States of America if you don't win the black community, period. It's just, it's impossible. Jill Stein did not win the Asian community either. So Jill Stein to me, in what she did, she might be a nice lady and she might be a nice grandmother, but she she, she doesn't have what it takes to win this particular election. And you got to have somebody that can move communities to our playing field. So I believe in DC, I'm going to prevail as the, as the nominee. I think that it would be a smart move on the Libertarian Party to have somebody like me on that. We, I think we're going to move the African-American community, a mass proportion who are very disgruntled to the Libertarian Party. They don't want to be Republicans and they're sick of being Democrats. A lot of African-Americans are very upset with the crime bill. A lot of people are sick of having their children locked up in the police brutality. <clears throat> the let me tell you something, and I, I know you probably never experienced this, but I'm going to share something with you if you give me a few more minutes. Yeah, 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 go for it. What happened with George Floyd is not an anomaly in the black community. That happens over and over and over again across this nation. And, and African-Americans, by and large, are fed up with it. They're, they're just sick of it. And they know that this is directly linked to the crime bill and what Joe Biden has done. They know that. They already know that. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that that's what it is. Now they need someone to articulate that on a major level. And I'm that guy to articulate that, to bring those communities in. I've already secured the Asian American endorsement. That's going to bring in maybe... 
this guy said they're going to put 24 million voters, 24 million votes behind us in the general election. That's huge. I, there's no other, there's no other, um, there's no other um, uh, nominee that could even do that right now inside of the Libertarian Party. You know, we, we, we really have what it takes to really do this. And, and I'm excited about the opportunity and I'm excited to be doing it as a Libertarian. I think and believe that I'm a Libertarian for life. Um, you know, and at this point, I, I'm looking to win the nomination and we're going to go on and win the White House. I think the Libertarian Party can do that this this cycle. I think you have a very good shot at it. I think, uh, you know, you sounded good. Well, thank you. As long as I got your vote. The Brian vote. Yeah, well, you've already won it. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, I, I, you know, you sound good. You, Like I said, I just want to have an open-minded individual because i think a lot of times one thing lars mapstead did just here a couple days ago he did the um voter bills of voter bill of rights and he's offering it to any nominee or anyone who's seeking to get the nomination for the libertarians and it's to make you know it's easier for because third party independence it's hard to get onto the ballot nationwide and this is for not statewide or local. It's for your, you know, for like the federal offices. And I think it's something you might have to look into. Lars Mapstead, uh, it's a good policy, you know, but I think that like we need more options. You know, you got to have something different right now. And, you know, and, and the, the Libertarian Party is so exciting. I, I think more people should become Libertarian. I, I think it's a it's it's and, and it's it's a it's a balance. It's a balance between conservative views and uh, liberal views, and and uh, I, I like it. I, I'm I I I like it, you know. Well, and and having a deeper understanding of it, and I think that we're going to with the Libertarian Party as their nominee, as their presidential nominee, we're going to win the Black community, we're going to win the Asian community, and we're going to win the Latino community. Period. And I don't think that anyone else that's out there right now has even a clue on how to actually do that to take it to the whites. What I would like to see happen in November <clears throat> on election night, <clears throat> I'd like to see, I'd like to see, there have to be 270 electoral college votes. I, I'd like to see us have 105 electoral college votes, at least in the early stages, and then wait to see what happens. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see 105 electoral college votes. I'm the only guy that can beat Donald Trump, period. There's no one else out there that could beat Donald Trump because there's nobody else that can do what I do. You know, and, and, and Donald Trump is more than likely going to become the nominee, I believe, if he can, you know, you know, do that. And then we get to see what happens. And so I think I think that my goal inside of the Libertarian Party especially with our breath, you know, we we're part of the National Baptist Convention. That's over five million um, African-Americans in our country. We're already reaching out to other large groups that of underserved uh, communities in our country. And I, I think that we can run this race. My goal as the as the presidential nominee would be to make sure that we as libertarians run that 
run that thing and get ourselves 105 electoral college votes. And I think we can count that. And then that's going to make something interesting. We're going to be able to say what's going to happen now. That's going to really make us something exciting. Yeah, you're definitely going to put a target on your chest if you do something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to be like, <laughs> no! You know, I mean, so, I, I feel right. very strongly when we've done the map, I feel very strongly that the Democrats are going to get, you know, 60 of the electoral, electoral college votes. You know, I think they're going to come somewhere in that in that area. I think Trump is going to get the other part. And I think that we as the with I think the Libertarian Party with me as the nominee, we're going to get 105 110 electoral college votes, and then we're going to sit back and see how we shape up. And I think we're going to go to the White House. If there ever was a time that we could go to the White House, this is now because America is frustrated. America is tired. America doesn't want to take any more of it. And I think this is our time. One of the things that the libertarians have always said to people, I said, um, we need to, you need a good, a good look. Like we always need a uh, uh, fashion designers, uh, things, and I don't know if you have how the libertarians look in your area. My libertarians, they roll in, they have the t-shirt on, they they don't look presidential, but you got to have like a Donald Trump is a showman on stage. He's a comedian, you know, and that's what you need, like to to get people to pay attention to you. You. Um, Larry Sharp. I love Larry Sharp. One of his statements was with Joe Jorgensen in 2020. She was a college professor, so she don't need when she speaks, she don't have to be exciting. The students had to be there. But when you go out there and speak, when he would have to speak, he had to be exciting and engaging and uh, keep the people's attention. You know. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a good looking guy. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. That come from my mama and my dad. <laughs> <But laughs> yeah. You know, listen, you know, this is politics, you know, and and here's the thing. We're at the right time. This is our time. This is the libertarian time. And if people can embrace that idea, um, we're gonna win the White House this this term. One thing that is for sure, and it has been proven. Donald Trump can be beat. That has been proven. And so now it's just a matter of, do we want to pull ourselves together and beat him? That's what it's going to be. The Democrats, no. But Donald Trump can be beat. And um, Biden needs to go. Biden needs to go on both moral and other principles. And this time, you know, Barack Obama ain't going to be able to save him. That's not going to happen in this, in this cycle. Um, he's done. You know, this is, uh, you know, I, one of the things that I, <clears throat> I'm going to share this with you. One of the things that I hear, and, and I've been out to a lot of African-American black events. One of the things that I hear, oh, wow, you're going to be the first real black president. Now, I don't know what that means, but people are saying that <laughs> in, in my community right now. This is going to be the first one. I was like, what do you mean the first one? You know, his mother was, you know, and his daddy was, you know, his daddy was African. You know, it's like, he's not, you know, he's African, you know, but you're going to be the first real guy. So, you know, this is going to be very interesting. And and so that, and I say that to say Obama's not going to be able to say Biden this time. And so we we see that. We see that. That's, that's, that's a done deal. 
And so Biden's out. Biden is completely out. And uh, we're going to we're going to. And, and so the, the battle was going to be Collins against Trump. That's where the battle was going to be. And uh, if the Libertarian parties, by and large, can see that, then we're going to make we're going to we're going to take the Electoral College by storm. I love the thought process, my friend. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, man. Uh, this has been so much fun, Brian. You're good, man. You're good. I love it. Excellent. And I'm going to definitely be in contact with you because I want you to speak with my group. I'll send this out to my uh, the Roanoke Valley Libertarian affiliate, but I'm also nice. going to I want you to speak to them. So if they have any questions, you'll be able to take their questions too. Hey, I want to tell everybody, go to my website, josephcollinsjr.com and, you know, take a look and see if you like what we have right there. That's really good right there. I'd love for you to, you know, to, um, to throw a party for us. So if you go down there, we have a little page, throw a party. I'd love to come out to your party, wherever you are, you know, it's time, it's time to walk, you know, it's time for us to walk away from the Republicans, walk away from the Democrats and walk the libertarian walk. So, you can host a party for us, you know, please host a party and it's going to be all good. Excellent. Well, until next time, my friend, I will see you later. And thank for you everyone so else who watched, thank you. Please go check out his website. I think you're going to like what you see. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Thank yep. you. God bless you. Yep. Goodbye.